Monsters podcast. Chris Becker joined here by Sudeep Tuma. Dean Rule will not be joining us today. Um, we're here to break down the Oklahoma State versus Tulsa uh, football game happening this Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, inside Boone Pickens Stadium. Just to count both teams' second game of the year. Tulsa 0-1. Oklahoma State 1-0. Uh, Sudeep, let's start off with this Tulsa team. Uh, coming off a meltdown loss against UC Davis, an FCS opponent. They lose 19-17 to after a second-half meltdown. Um, Tulsa was missing four starters for the whole game after a suspension stemming from their uh, bowl game brawl against Mississippi State in 2020. Um, UC Davis just flat out outplayed Tulsa in that second half. Um, I have a fun fa- uh, fun stat here for you guys. Um, the three Oklahoma FBS teams, which Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Tulsa, were outscored 43 to 13 in the second half by their opponents. Now let's br- let's go down this list line of uh, opponents, Sadiq. Missouri State played OSU. Tulane played OU. And UC Davis played Tulsa. So three, those three opponents, two FCS and one uh, power uh, group of five team, outscored the three FBS teams that contained two power five teams, forty-three to thirteen in the second half. Uh, Sadiq, what did you see from this Tulsa team? They just they just did not look as good as they should have. Yeah, it was weird. Um, a lot of people immediately point to Zayvon Collins. I don't think that was as much the issue. You know, I, I went back and watched that game. The defense, I think, was pretty strong for Tulsa. Um, and Davis Brin, their quarterback, threw two interceptions, but they were two very crucial interceptions. And let's not forget, Keelan Stokes fumbled the ball in the red zone. So let's break down each of those. First one, it was about halftime. They were, uh, Tulsa was up 10-7. They were on the way to score, maybe a minute left. There was an interception. Second one, they're, they're coming back. You know, they're, there's still a good amount of time in the game, but they're coming back. I think they're up a field goal or up some points at that point. There was an interception, a very costly interception. And then the last one, even when Tulsa's down two points, they're like look primed to score. They're just inches, yards away. They're they're running down, up and down. Throws in or fumbles the ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- it, it was really it was a mix of bad penalties, untimely penalties at times, bad turnovers, and just you know uneven play. And and you said it, four starters missing. I think nine players in total were suspended, didn't play in that game. And on that, you had three defensive starters who were missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, and you even had a few injuries in the game. Uh, Kadarian Ray, their very talented safety, was hurt. But I think it was just a mix of those sort of things. And UC Davis, their quarterback, played pretty well. I thought he improvised pretty well and got out there. And I think Tulsa's defensive line still stayed pretty strong. But, yeah, it was just definitely a weird game. But I don't think it's a really a proper evaluation tool to look at that and say, okay, this is what we see from Tulsa this year. Right, and it, it's hard to judge a team based on just one game anyway. It's mm-hmm. the first game of the season. They hadn't played in uh, 300-something days, sure. um, whereas UC Davis, I think, had a spring season, as did most of these FCS schools. Same with Missouri State and OSU. Right. Uh, OSU hadn't played for 300-something days, and Missouri State had played like 100 days ago. So that, that, that I think, plays a big role into it, too. These guys have played together uh, before, and whereas this group of Tulsa team, this Tulsa team had probably you know not all played together at the same time. Uh, ever before, but you mentioned we'll, we'll talk about Davis Bren first. Uh, their QB one uh, beat out Seth Boomer amongst others uh, for the starting job after uh, Zach Evans leaves. Um, Bren didn't have the greatest performance, like you said, um, fifteen to twenty-eight, two hundred and one yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. And those two interceptions were very, very critical. Um, from what I've seen from Bren, he didn't play a lot last year just because Zach Evans existed. Um, he has some talent and he has arm talent, but I don't know. He struggled against a defense like UC Davis, who's no offense to UC Davis, is not on the same level as OSU's defense that he's going to face this week. Despite OSU not having Trey Sterling for a first half, what? Challenges does, presents Davis, or what challenges 
await Davis Brand when he walks into Boone Pickens Saturday morning. When we look at Davis Brand, you see him do a lot of things really well. He's got terrific arm strength. He's definitely got an arm, uh, and he's got great pocket presence. That's what you're going to see him sliding through, evading pass rushers, and he's mobile enough. You didn't see him rush a lot, but he's got some mobility to him. Uh, now, you look at the, the bad things about him, and that was really the two interceptions. But it's not just, okay, three interceptions. On those two, I think we're very symbolic of his weaknesses because you saw him just stare down his receivers, mm-hmm. not go through his progressions. That's something he does. He's more of a one-read quarterback, but you're going to see him just stare down a side. And in that same game, he also he was a little inaccurate in the beginning. And so, so those are some of the, you know, the drawbacks with him. So I, I think... Again, first start, I believe, at Tulsa. Or I think just, so, yeah. Right, one of those d- is very inexperienced, but he, like I said, he does some things well. But that's one of the things I think OSU can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. He he really just like he stared yeah. at him, and you saw those two interceptions. They looked very similar. In the linebacker was just staring at the eyes of Davis Brin, mm-hmm. uh, cut off the receiver, and yeah. picked off the interception. Yeah, they wasn't o- even their men, right? Yeah, yeah and OSU's defense is super is, uh, veteran, and they they have experience where Davis Brin is not, right. and they're gonna make him pay. Jark Bernard, Christian Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, Colby Harville Peel, Tanner McAllister, jo- Jason Taylor uh, for the first half, and then Trey Sterling in the second half. Right. These guys, I mean, if he makes a mistake like that where he stares down a guy, no matter how good your receiver is, if the corner knows what corner safety linebacker knows what's coming, they're going to make you pay. And that's that's what OSU's defense does the best is they they don't allow you to capitalize on mistakes and they'll take they'll take full advantage of it. Um, right. It doesn't help that he is missing. Uh, you know, he has a good receiving core, but he's also missing uh, a veteran receiver, Josh Stewart, for the whole year, uh, sustained a season-ending injury in the free season. He'd been with the program since 2016, 25 career catches, 10 last year. Uh, but he still has Keelan Stokes, mm-hmm. who is who's I think we we both know how good he is. Um, played really well last year against Oklahoma State. Um, also has Josh Johnson and Sam Crawford Jr. and Juan Carlos Santana, all guys who played last year. So. Uh, Tulsa has a very veteran team, but let's talk about this backfield though <laughs> um, of of the running backs. You know, uh, Deneric Prince and Shamari Brooks. Um, Brooks had a really good game last year, I believe, against Oklahoma State, and a really good season last year. Uh, but he had he was actually their second leading rusher by quite a bit uh, in this week one. Uh, Shamari Brooks, ten carries, 80, 80 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Prince, fourteen carries, one hundred and fifty one yards, and a touchdown. That I mean, these guys present a big challenge for OSU's defense, but it kind of seems almost as if Tulsa's offense might be a little one-dimensional, where their run game's really, really good, and their quarterback play is just kind of shaky. You know, we saw the quarterback, Davis Brent, do good things against, I believe it was Tulane last year when he launched that comeback, but yeah, this this run game is definitely the base of it. They run a lot of RPO, so you're going to see a lot of that action, and I think I'll tie this into our next point. The O-line's returning mm-hmm. all five guys, and what you saw against UC Davis, again, take it with a grain of salt because it is an FCS opponent, but they, they put together, they plowed some huge holes. You saw just gaps for these running backs, especially Prince. The few times where, I mean, Prince piled up, what, would you say 180 yards? A yeah. lot of that was on 100, just, 150. Right, just wide open uh, gaps where he's just running through, and he's got enough speed to uh, break away from guys. But I think this is still a talented backfield. Just because you have an offensive line, you still need those guys. Shamari Brooks is more of that scat back. He's more, you know, the speed guy. He's a little undersized, 5'8", uh, but he's got good balance, enough for a small guy. He's not a power back, but he, he's got speed. He's got elusiveness. He can make you miss. He's got good, very good feet, quick feet, so he can find his way through uh, between the tackles. And then he's a great. he's got a great compliment in Daenerys Prince, who's more of the power back. But even though he is kind of like a bigger guy, he's still pretty shifty. He's got good vision. Um, he, he can make a guy miss. And he's got good breakaway speed, as you can see on those long runs versus UC Davis. So that's kind of where this attack will start. But it's a mix of those RPOs and, uh, you know, using that run 
game using that play action and then you got those talented receivers like you mentioned keelan stokes he's he's a he's a talented slot receiver he's definitely their number one weapon in the past game and i think his matchup's going to be very interesting because where we saw osu we'll just think, talk about 2020 where you had um, OSU's cornerbacks in the outside of Darius, Jarek Bernard Converse, they were glued to their guys. Yep. But in the slot where you rotated someone from Corby, uh, Colby Harville Peel to Malcolm Rodriguez and mm-hmm. Tanner McAllister, while those guys could be good in coverage, there was still that's where you find those gaps. And you know, when, when OSU is bringing cover zero, they're bringing this whole blitz and bringing everyone to the line, you're leaving those slot guys in one on one. It just takes a little simple crossing route or slant to rip off an 80 yard touchdown sometimes. Yep. So I think, and, and Keelan Stokes, a guy who can he can run those slant routes, he can get open the short game, he's he can get down the field, he's a good route outrunner he could definitely get down the field he's got good separation skills uh, so he's a dangerous player so i think mm. it's it's a good combination but i think it all starts in the backfield for sure yeah and uh talking about that o-line let's move on to the next topic here um a lot their o-line a lot only uh, a lot three sacks last week but even then it was only for i think one yard four yards and two yards so they weren't big sacks but they're still sacks but they're very experienced and right. it's good because you know they're facing a very experienced d-line here at osu um that's gonna that's gonna be I think a battle to watch. But I was very impressed Saturday um, in that slot coverage. Either whether it was Colby Tanner or even I think we saw times where it's Corey. They put in another corner and it was Corey Black or Jabbar Muhammad. And I was very impressed with those two guys, uh, Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad. Let's take a second and talk about them. What did you, what did you see from those two young corners from OSU? I I was personally pretty impressed yeah, with how they played. I, I think they did some good. There were also some bad where they did get beat a little bit in coverage. It's hard to ever you know judge on zone because you're 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 given an assignment. But in straight man to man coverage, there were a lot of plays they were glued onto their men. There were some they gave up. You know, they're not quite a jerk for non converse. But um, yeah, I think those young guys definitely help, and it gives you more options. It gives you. Uh, more versatility. You can bring in other guys in the slot corner where you're not sending down a safety. But I know Jim Knowles obviously going to want to keep three safeties at all times. And Tanner McAllister, sometimes he sticks, sometimes he gave up. Like on that Trey mm-hmm. Sterling targeting, he was just beat right from the slot off the release because he he can't he couldn't stay with them. Right? It's it's those little things uh, in the slot. And like I said, it's not as dire. It's not like a terrible thing. It's just when we're comparing how good the guys on the outside can be versus the inside. That's where it's a little different. Right, and I expect OSU. We talked about this in our podcast on Monday, uh, reviewing the Missouri State game. The OSU played off a lot. Uh, they played yep. they played very conservative coverage and just kind of they they were okay with giving up those fi- five yard chunk plays. But when it came down to it, it was third and two, and they'd stop them. So they were okay with giving up those little plays, uh, pass plays uh, at least. Um, played a lot of zone. I expect them against a Tulsa team who's got really good receivers, who's just, uh, who's just. Uh, they're just better than Missouri State. They're, I mean, they're, they're better than Missouri State. Their receivers are better. Everything about the team's better than Missouri State. I expect Jim Knowles to kind of dial back uh, into his more uh, more man, some more pressure, not giving up as many small plays. Uh, and maybe that means we see, and maybe that me- that maybe we see more big plays from uh, Tulsa this week. But also maybe we don't. And maybe you know that that nice mix of zone and man and uh, applying that pressure and being uh, super. What's the word? Aggressive, I guess is the best word to say. Uh, in coverage, means you know just a better defensive performance all out, which is saying a lot because they were really good last week. Right. Um, but going on to the other side of the ball uh, for Tulsa's defense, uh, very good defensive front. Yeah, I know they lose Zayvon Collins, which is a very crucial loss for them, especially like a team like Tulsa, who one guy could make or break how good a defense can be. But they get a guy back in Jackson Player. Who was first team All American last year, a um, first team All American conference last year? Um, started all nine games for them, 37 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, five QB hurries. 
He also had two blocked kicks, which I think is a very um, important thing for him and for Tulsa because you know in, te- in games like this where it's where you're the underdog, a blocked kick can mean everything. Also, a tackle for loss could have mean the the difference between a loss and a win. But that defensive front is really really good, especially when they get a guy back like Jackson Player. Um, and turn, it, this kind of goes into our next topic too of the returning all eight, the eight starters they return. He's one of those eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Gundy talked Monday about how important super seniors are, and. OSU has a few. I think they have nine total at OSU. Tulsa has more. <laughs> Tulsa returns a bunch of super seniors, and for a team like that, who's like a group of five team, they need. I mean, they need the experience when you can get it. And I think this is that's going to be something to watch for is how well. The, I mean, these super seniors played OSU quite a bit, so they know how they play. They know what to expect. And I think that's going to make this game pretty close. Yeah, that's the thing. This this defensive front. That's where it really um, starts with. When you talk about Jackson Player in 2019, he was more of just. Zero technique. He was that nose tackle that would anchor the line. But last year, he played everywhere on both mm-hmm. sides of the defensive end at all techniques, and he played a nose tackle. And that also has to say with how how much they uh, rotate guys in and out. You know, Colin Wickle step out, Anthony Goodlow. You got a couple. They, they rotate two or three deep. Um, they did that against UC Davis for sure. And they they're very talented up there. They're very strong. And that's and anytime you're talking about a good run defense. It always starts with defensive line. Even if you have, you know, the best linebackers in the world, right? If you have Malcolm Rodriguez, even if you have whoever, it always starts in the defensive line getting penetration. And I mean, Tyrese Stevenson, he is humongous, six five, three sixty five, I believe. He's he a is, big boy, right? And he he got he's got great technique, and he can get into the backfield and blow things up, and then rotate guys back to the linebackers. They've got a good, very good group of linebackers, and we only saw uh, one of them last week, mm-hmm. where uh, both. You know, Justin Wright, who I think led them in nine and a half tackles for loss and led them in tackles, and Trayvon Reeves, both their strong side linebacker. Both those guys didn't even play because of suspensions. Yep. And that, then we still saw like some pretty good depth behind them. The guys behind them playing pretty well. Yeah, John so, Michael Terry, right. uh, OU transferred, got right. second second on the team in tackles with nine, I think. Exactly. And had, their own, had Tulsa's only sack of right. the game, which is kind of shocking for a defensive line that's so good and so dominant that you only get one sack. And, and that's the thing, right? A lot of times when you have a defensive line— them being strong and being a very good Mm -hmm. unit doesn't always lead to uh, production. It's like we always talk about with um, Israel Antoine. 10 tackles, 5 tackles for loss. Mm -hmm. That doesn't tell the whole story. He was very crucial. He's he's picking up double teams. He's getting penetrations. He's redirecting running backs. That's that's the impact of guys like this. And with Jackson Player, that's where it starts. He can create havoc. Stevens can create havoc. Wick can. you got all these guys in the middle, or up front, rather, but then you've got good linebackers. You've Mm -hmm. got um, you know, a good defense overall. You talk about the secondary. Obviously, they lost both their corners. Um, but we, again, we didn't even see their starting safety. Um, they're starting free safety. But you had Kadarian Ray back. You have Tyon Davis who played a little bit, and you brought a transfer in Trayvon Fuller, and you have Christian Williams. And you're gonna see they they play a three three five, somewhat similar to OSU. But obviously, OSU is four two five. But it's it's the concept of five guys. They have the mm-hmm. third, the third guy being a cornerback instead of a safety like OSU does the nickelback and Christian Williams who's they're one of their very veteran returning guys who's very talented and they'll they'll move them all around they'll put them in the slot they'll put them up at free safety they'll put the safeties in coverage so I mean they've they've got some versatility with their scheme I think they can defend you know the modern pass game pretty well but you've got talent all over this team and again I don't know if they'll be the same without Stephen Collins obviously you lose a player of that importance but they can still be a very impactful unit I think right and you know, it, this is kind of. Well, I know we've talked a lot about Tulsa, and that's what we have on our sheet here. But going to the OSU thing, I think 
this offense really has to kind of learn on the fly almost because you're you're going from a team like Missouri State who is good on the defensive front but not you know great and you struggled against run you struggled running the ball against them. Um, no you know no disrespect to Kyle Ellis or. Um, Eric Johnson, but there's not the same level of, team, of, of defensive front as they're going to see in Tulsa this week with Jackson Player mm-hmm. and all those other guys. And if you can't run the ball this week, um, it's, I think Oklahoma State could be in for a very long offensive day uh, because, like you said, if they can't run the ball, if they have five guys in coverage, you're not going to be able to pass the ball much uh, to you know deep or efficiently if you're not going to be able to run it because they're just going to sell out on the pass mm-hmm. and give you the one yard gain every so often you're going to punt again. Yeah. So I. Th- it's kind of a learn on the fly kind of thing. It's kind of uh, initiation by fire. I think the best way to put it for this O line, run blocking wise. Um, but my gunny, I mean, my gunny said they'll be fine. Um, he's with the team every day, so I kind of trust what he what he sees from them. And like he said, he said it, and I, I agree. When I went back and watched the film, and I'm sure you saw it too, um, they were one block away, and they're not even like a block. It was a second away or a couple steps. They got beat by a couple steps. And if you if the oh if they switch that this week and oh like a couple steps ahead of Tulsa's D line. The run game will improve, but I expect to see a little better run game. I don't know how much it'll improve just because of how bad it was last week. But if they can just improve it to where they get at least 100 yards rushing and can at least run the ball consistently, I think OSU could could offensively, you know, maybe take that next step. And I think Spencer Sanders helps if he's available. And I think you, you mentioned the pass uh, game. I think they'll still be good because obviously those corners last year were impressive, but you still have weapons, Tamar and Brendan Presley, who are very dominant. Even and this is an inexperienced corner group for sure. And, but the defense, yeah, the running game is going to be where it all starts because, yeah, last week when you talked about how bad that run blocking was, you, you're talking about very, you know, they were letting, you're right, most of the time you saw it, it was just one lineman, sometimes it was a tackle, sometimes mm-hmm. it was a guard, some, a lot of times it was a cowboy back, right? It just kept rotating, and, so, and a lot of times it was on pulling schemes where a guy just misses their block. And there were certain different things, and now you go against a front that's immensely better. I mean, you, you watch... Jackson player and these guys operate you it's just it's like even if you don't like watching a defensive line you love it here because they're just getting into the backfield immediately you see the technique I mean guy like Jackson player he's got so many different moves you see the rip move you see the bull rush you see everything he's got great hands you've got all these different guys with so many different traits they can create havoc and then they've got linebackers with great range who can come and make tackles constantly that's how this defense really operates so it's going to be you know setting that line of scrimmage even if you're not blowing off 30 40 50 yard runs every few plays just keep you know keep gaining a few positive gains and then get spencer sanders get this offense this pass game into better situations and yeah spencer sanders being back i think does help and i don't think you know having shade Ellingworth with would completely you know tank the run game or something like that i think that's a um, premature thought, but having Spencer Sanders there opens up, you know, the zone read game because now you've got a guy who tucks it on the RPOs. It's fine either way, but on the zone read game, and sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just on a normal handoff, just the threat of a Spencer Sanders possibly, you know, <laughs> tucking that ball, even if it's not the play call. The defense doesn't know that, so just that yeah. possibility or having the uh, possibility of a pass game that can threaten you. Suddenly, you have to lighten the box. There's so many different. Uh, things so I think Spencer would definitely help, but I think it's all going to start in the front, no matter what, no matter which quarterback you have down there. Right, and we're going to move on a little bit. We're going to have some. We're going to do a little fun stuff. Uh, first, Sadiq, final score prediction for this weekend's game. Uh, yeah, this one's a little tough. I still think, all things considered, the talent OSU has, and I think they're going to figure out their run block. And I think it'll be thirty to thirteen. Right, and I, I wrote down on our pit grid for this week in the paper, I have 31-16 OSU. I think OSU's offense gets it going, and I think at the end of the day, uh, despite 
how good their run game is on Tulsa. Uh, OSU's defense is going to be too much for a Tulsa offense that's very, very uh, inexperienced at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, just, you can put all the experience you want on that team. Their quarterback experience is kind of. I think that's going to be the downfall this week with a very experienced defense on the other side. And that's the thing. That's that's the thing about this OSU defense. They've shut down good passing game, good <laughs> yeah. running games, and they've suffocated them. They've forced multiple three and outs. Yeah, you might get a big play here and there just because of one little gap or one you're being super aggressive. Just one little gap is open. The cutback lane is open, or you're leaving it on one on one the slide, and the guy just gets an inch of room. You're gonna. That's going to happen. That's why a lot of times the stat sheet doesn't look as dominant as the performance actually is but you do that you force these multiple three and outs you force these punts and then you're giving your offense good field position you're giving them more opportunities and that's how OSU's really operated so I think yeah they've got they, they've got the caliber they've got the talent they've got the scheme they got the speed they've got the coach they got everything to suffocate teams and I think that I don't know how what the actual results will be against Tulsa. It'll depend on also how the offense sustains drives and keeps the defense their own defense off the field, lets them get rested. But I think it's going to be an impressive performance for them. Brian, real quick, uh, one key to victory uh, for OSU. Definitely front blocking. It's like it's obvious, safe answer. But I think the big thing is because you know what the receiver is going to do. You know how the quarterback's going to operate. You know how the defense can operate. It, and the, I don't think I really anticipated the run blocking being uh, this bad. If, I don't, think, you, uh, yeah, I don't right. think anyone did. And if anything, we thought, okay, you know, the blocking might not be the best, but it'll be better than it was last year. But last year, like Gundy alluded to, they were really good at run blocking toward mm-hmm. the end. Do you remember the Texas Tech game where they're just plowing holes open? But even as the season went on, the pass blocking still struggled. And, you know, we remember TCU where, mm-hmm. or Kansas State, whichever one it was, where Spencer Sanders was getting pummeled in, early on in the game. Mm, both, those, I think it was both those games, really. Right, yeah, exactly. And Almost every I think that was an ongoing thing. Right. The Spencer, like, and that's a big part of his injury. Like, mm-hmm. People allude to his injury issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because the path walking has never been great for him. I mean, he gets just he gets rocked back there. Like, I mean, he's right. constantly getting hit. And, and th- I think now it's flipped all of a sudden. And that's the thing about blocking. It's not just... Oh, you have these five dominant guys, or you know, you have this or that. It's it's all togetherness, cohesionness. Like we always talk about the impact of an offensive line coach. It's it's more than just who do you have up there, how big are they? It's or how talented are they even? It's scheme, mm-hmm. it's coordination. It's like your center IDs who's blitzing, your quarterback IDs who's blitzing, the run game, each scheme, each defense you're going up against, a four three versus a four three under, each time it's different, each wide receiver offensive linemen cowboy back have to figure out who they're uh, going to block and each time it's different so i think it's going to really um that's going to be the key here are they going to be able to sustain drives by pushing the run game forward even if like i said even if it's just mm-hmm. two three four yard gains each play keep things on schedule keep the offense on schedule keep the defense off the field i think that's how that's a big thing here right i, I have to agree and i think the biggest key to victory is the, is that run game and um, just to be a little bit different, though, I'm going to say defensive line and stopping that run game. The defensive line is the first line of defense uh, against that Tulsa run game, and we saw what they were capable of last week. Mm-hmm. And the fact they have two—I mean, I, I, we can sit here and talk about how OSU has four guys. Well, two is just—I mean, two is just as good. Um, that's all you really need. The two. If you have the two, they can you know switch on and off or on and off. And you know, one had ten, one had fourteen. That's 24 carries right. for well over 200 yards. That's very. They are very efficient on the ground. Um, two different kinds of backs. Two, but the, they're both fast. They're both strong. Um, I think if OSU's D line can get just a little bit of penetration uh, on the O line and just at least get them hit in the backfield and slow them down for Malcolm or Devin or Mason Cobb or Cameron for our, or any of them. Uh, any other linebackers or any other safeties to just get back there and help ta- finish the tackle, I think OSU can win this game. Uh, it just depends on how, how strong they're, they are stopping the run game. Right. 
and bringing back Israel Antoine is uh, so much bigger. And I think, yeah, you're right. The defensive line will obviously be important. I think everyone's taking it for granted, obviously, that they're going to have a good game. Um, but, yeah, it's still something that is very important because you start losing the trenches. That's where football starts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this Tulsa O-line, I think, is pretty impressive. And that's considering their left tackle, Tyler Smith, was suspended last game. You had Chris Paul move over to the left. And yeah, Chris Paul, get, the offensive lineman, not the starting point guard. And guess who started at right tackle? Bryce Bray. <laughs> oh boy. And Eddie did well, but my whole point is that's that's even a man down. I mean, they and like I got again, UC Davis take it with a grain of salt, but mm-hmm. they were plowing together, plowing some huge holes for these running backs. Yep. So it's yeah, this this OSU defense, it's gonna be interesting how they just scheme up all of it. Are they gonna play you know more just straight man and be aggressive and play cover zero more? Are they gonna you know sit back play zone? Uh, it's all it's all gonna be on Jim Knowles. But I, again, that's a guy who could be confident, who mm-hmm. knows how uh, things are gonna go. And one last point on you mentioned the aggressiveness before he with Knowles all season last year there were games where he let up and didn't play less aggressive but he didn't bring as many people in the box he played you know straight coverage and had you know a couple safeties deep or linebackers in coverage in the zone while he has cornerbacks you know sticking man to man but last game he played more off and I I almost wonder why because no matter who the opponent was last year he almost always stuck Rodarius and Jarek Bernard Converse physical one-on-one coverage and a lot of that had to do obviously with not playing zone but he trusted those guys on the outside and you know safety could either play deep coverage they could stick up front and, and as a t- as an entire formula it did work mm-hmm. but here you play the off coverage and you know let those easy out routes that's just pitch and catch for the quarterback that's very easy to just hit and those are just rhythm timing throws and you're almost giving the opposing quarterback momentum and you don't get to, mm-hmm. into a rhythm and that's where things get dangerous but I, I don't anticipate him doing that a lot um, I wonder again why he did that because he didn't need to and zone coverage is different where you're asking cornerbacks, linebackers, yeah. safeties to all take in a zone. And and sometimes in certain concepts where, you know, they're running a smash mouth or they're running a spot concept, you're going to have a cornerback stretch to one or another. He has to choose, and, you know, the quarterback passed yeah. the other one, so it's going to look bad. But I, I think if he is going to be more aggressive, I think it's going to be fruitful. I think it's always fruitful with these with this personnel. Right, and I think we got to remember, I, in the in the office, and he was constantly talking about how he wants to incorporate more zone into his defense mm-hmm. just to give it some variety. Um and I think that what we saw—I think that's what we saw a lot on Saturday. I think he wanted to see how well they could play the zone. It was a good opponent to do it. It was one other thing I said it in our podcast Monday. He just didn't want to show all his cards, and I think it's—I think it's one of those situations you just didn't want to show your cards super early in the season of what you could do. Um, so I think it's just one of those situations where he could, you know, see how how his defense is adjusting to playing more zone. And I think this week we think we I see I think we see Jim Knowles go back to his old self from last year, super aggressive. But we also have to remember he's without his starting super senior uh, safety Trey Sterling for the first half. We all know he was ejected for targeting in the fourth quarter of the Missouri State game, so he will now be suspended. Uh, for the first half, but he will be back second half. Jason Taylor is expected to uh, fill in for him. Um, Sadiq, any any closing thoughts? No, I just I think this is going to be um, definitely interesting. I don't think anyone thought. I thought every, I think everyone before Missouri State thought, okay, OSU is just going to trample through Tulsa. Now they got this line, and they got you know Spencer Sanders and these wide receivers and defense and so on. But it could be interesting. Depends how the game flow goes. I think. Right. So, Oklahoma State, once again, Oklahoma State, Tulsa, 11 a.m. kickoff, bright and early inside Boone Pickens Stadium. Oklahoma State opens as, uh, currently sitting at 13-point favorites against the Golden Hurricane. That's all for us at Turf Monsters Episode 5. Thank you guys for joining in. We'll be back next week.